0: Are the Falcons trending in the wrong direction?
1: You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. All right. Been covering the Falcons for many years. Formerly at Falkfans.com, RIP, RIP to the Falkfans Twitter. Uh, You know, people also call me, you know, Serious Black. They call me Mr. Drew, right? But my friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew, but you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this illustrious podcast. And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. So today's episode, we will be joined a little bit later by Josh Kendall, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Athletic uh, to get his thoughts on this week's action. Unfortunately, Josh was driving uh, during this conversation, so I couldn't necessarily keep too much of his time as we often do on these sort of recap episodes. So we'll close out the show by taking a deeper look into that conversation that we had briefly on yesterday's episode talking about the Falcons potentially trading for a defensive tackle. And I'll go a little bit more in depth into my reasoning on that uh, a little bit later on the show. But without further ado, let's jump into that conversation with Josh Kendall of The Athletic right now. Welcome back, everyone, to another Locked On Falcons podcast. I am, of course, your humble host, joined by an illustrious guest, Josh Kendall of The Athletic. And if you're watching on your screens here on this illustrious YouTube channel, you can see that Josh is in the midst of driving. Hopefully, we will not be distracting him too much uh, as we talk about the Atlanta Falcons. But Josh, how are you doing today?
1: Good, good. Yeah, forgive me if I don't look at you. I'm going to pay attention to the road, but I can I can talk and do that safely. Yes. I believe.
0: Yes, we 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 will just stare at your chin and let you uh, pay attention <laughs> to the road. But Josh, let let's talk about this Week Six loss for the Atlanta Falcons. I, I'm curious f- from your perspective is this game a trend in the wrong direction, a trend in the right direction? We, we sort of had the early success of the Falcons with that two and zero start. Then we had that dip. Then we had the performance last week against Houston. Is this some of, is this, do you take away more good from this game or do you take away more negative?
1: Well, certainly I think you take away negative, And I think the biggest problem is there's not a trend at all. It's just all over the map. Um, I understand you've got a second-year quarterback who's made made nine starts now, um, but in year three of Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, you'd hoped for a little more consistency in performance. Um, if the three and three record is not troubling in and of itself, certainly nobody in the NFC South has run away with it. Atlanta could be in first place with a win over Tampa Bay. It's that the performance itself has fluctuated so wildly over the six games that has you worried about whether the Falcons long-term can iron out all of those kinks.
0: So when we're talking about the inconsistency again, you, you mentioned, you know, having a second year quarterback, you have a lot of young pieces uh, elsewhere on your offense, uh, relatively speaking, I guess a veteran defense, at least in, in some of the key areas, you think this is just a sign of the youth and experience, or is this more of a, um, deeper issue with the inconsistency?
1: I think it's a deeper issue. I mean, I, you know, Bijan John Robinson is a rookie, Kyle Pitts is year three, Drake is year two, Desmond's year two. I get all of that, but I think that um we've seen guys we see CJ Stroud who's performing at a pretty consistent level as a rookie quarterback. We see a, you know, I think B. John Robinson, if if things were a little more consistent around him, would be perfectly consistent. So I don't think it's a youth issue as much as They've got to figure out a way to be able to do what they do well consistently. And if that means paring back some of what they do, then that's what it means. But I think that um, – I, I don't think you can attribute what's going on in Atlanta to youth. I, I don't think that's fair because it's not just that it's any youth. It is youth that you invest in a lot of draft capital in. It's youth that a lot of people would like to have. I think Atlanta needs to be performing better – regardless of its of its
0: relative age. That's fair enough. So uh, we will continue this conversation here with uh, Josh Kendall and his steering wheel as we uh, talk a little bit oh, more about some of the <laughs> positive things <laughs> from uh, this Washington game. If there is anything encouraging to take away from a very discouraging loss, and we'll get into that, guys, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. This show is sponsored by Better Hope. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way. Like you, you know what to do, you know, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. And therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back. And so that you can work on yourself instead of against yourself. You've heard me talk about therapy and how it's benefited me over the past year. And that is all thanks to better help. Therapy has helped me understand that I can only control what I can control. And that has led to, I believe improvements in my podcast capabilities as well as my coverage of this football team. Uh, and if you think you should, you know, you're thinking about starting therapy, I cannot recommend better help enough. It's much more affordable than traditional offline therapy, which was the thing that kind of lit the fire for me to try to join. It's done entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is br- fill out a brief questionnaire You'll get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp by visiting BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. And good or bad or all the ways in between, it's tough to root for your favorite team on an empty stomach. So go ahead and order your faves with DoorDash, right? When the Falcons win, I want to order myself some chicken wings to celebrate. When the Falcons lose, I want to order myself some chicken wings as a pick-me-up, right? So clearly I just want to order wings. And fortunately my local favorite wing spot is available only on DoorDash. So find your faves, your pick-me-ups that you need and get 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app, Inner enter code LOCKED23 is subject to change in terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app, and enter code LOCKED23. Don't forget to use code LOCKED23, 23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more subject to change, terms apply. So continuing here with Josh Kendall of the athletic and as Josh just laid out, you know, a lot of things that were discouraging in this game, but I'm I'm curious, Josh, did you find things that you were encouraged by in this game, either on either side of the ball for the Atlanta Falcons?
1: Well, I, you know, overall, I'm very optimistic about this defense. I think this defense has played really well. And it's interesting as somebody who's followed Atlanta for a while, as you know, to sort of have a defense that you feel like you can count on, that's a weird thing. Um, Offensively, you know, Desmond Ritter played poorly, and that's troubling because he hasn't been consistent. But for the second week in a row, he made some NFL-level throws. I mean, he has shown he can make the throws that Atlanta wants him to make. Um, I I think that one of the most frustrating things about – Desmond Ritter is that he's frustrating the people who want him to be the answer and I think he's frustrating the people who don't want him to be the answer because it's not like he's been good or bad he's been some of both and it's kind of been all over the map I had an NFL talent evaluator once tell me that you know when you're evaluating players especially quarterbacks you're looking for a fatal flaw You know, that's when you give up on a guy, when you see a fatal flaw, when you see something that he doesn't do well, that he doesn't get better at, the mistake that he makes over and over again or the thing that he just can't do. The Falcons haven't seen a fatal flaw in Desmond Ritter because they've seen him do everything they've asked him to do at a high level. He's also screwed up in all of those areas at times. But they're not, you know, I thought a week ago, two weeks ago, I thought we might be close to seeing Taylor Heineken. I no longer think that. I think Desmond Ritter has put enough good things on tape in the last two weeks that the Falcons are like, see, we knew he could do this stuff. We knew he could do this stuff. Now we just got to get rid of this, this, and this, and this, and we'll be fine. Whether or not that's reality, whether or not that happens, I don't know. But I think that's what they're telling themselves.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Talking about the defense, um, they got five sacks against Sam Howell. It felt like that was the one thing missing from this defense in their performance, um, which is getting that pass rush, getting the quarterback on the ground. Do you feel like this is a sign of encouragement that, you know, this issue may not be an issue moving forward? Or is this everybody sacks Sam Howell a bunch, Washington gives up a ton of sacks. We need to see more before we start buying too much into the Falcons pass rush.
1: Yeah, I think it's a Sam Howell issue. He just holds the ball too long. And I don't know. So, whether or not Atlanta's going to have more sacks into the future, I I don't know. I mean, I think they'll have more than they had through the first five weeks of the season. I think they'll average more than, you know, what, one a game, probably. But this is not a guy, this is not a group, a defensive coaching group that is, honestly, seems very worried about the number of sacks. Jerry Gray even said last week he said, he said, you know, the Eagles, with all leading the NFL in sacks and going to the Super Bowl last year, was an anomaly is It's usually not the teams that do that that end up in the Super Bowl. It's usually the teams that perform well on third down. He, he mentioned a couple of other metrics. So these guys don't necessarily believe that it's sack or nothing. They are very, they very much want to contain guys in the pocket. They very much want to be disciplined in their run get, rush game, and they very much want to do it with a four man rush as much as possible because that allows them to do it. All the stuff that they want to do on the back end. So I don't know that Atlanta is going to be a sack happy team um, unless they somehow get to play the Commanders again. Okay,
0: um, I'm curious. Are, are you buying into that? Do you, do you think what they're saying about it not necessarily being as important or critical with the sacks? Uh, I, th- is meaningful? I think
1: that they. I think that they played. I think that they played through five weeks really well, and I'm using the five week mark there because that's when they weren't registering a ton of sacks. I think that they played well enough in those five weeks that you can take them at their word that they can play really good defense without it. Now, we've all seen – you know, a sack is one of the analytically biggest swing plays in the game. Um, and when you, if you're looking at expected points added and stuff like that and, you know, a, you know, number of drives that have a sack that end with points is very low. So you can make a very, very strong analytics argument for sacks. Well, the Falcons so far have made a pretty strong argument on their end, which is as long as we're affecting the quarterback and can play the way we want to play behind that, then we're okay with not getting the quarterback on the ground as much as some people. Uh,
0: Josh, I want to turn your attention to next week's matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what for you is the biggest concern you have for this Falcon team headed into that matchup? Is it something that the Bucks do that you think is going to be a challenge for them, or is it just simply the Falcons have their own internal issues that they have to resolve? And that's really what the focus needs to be.
1: Yeah. I think that Todd Bowles is going to create problems for, for Atlanta. I think that Atlanta, you know, Arthur Smith has got a lot of, of respect for Todd Bowles because Todd Bowles does a lot of different things. So I think Todd Bowles looking at Atlanta's offense that has been inconsistent and is not running the ball like it was last year can look at this group and say, you know, I think I can do some stuff with that. So if Arthur Smith and his and his offensive coaching staff don't have a really good offensive game plan, I think Todd Bowles could have a nice day, and that would be a problem for the Falcons.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I've seen some of the ups and downs of the Bucks' offense, and I, I feel like, okay, the Falcons can keep that offense from putting up a ton of points. But I don't know if if it is just enough that if the Falcons have to win a game like 13 to 10, I don't know if that's really something that they are quite ready to do. But I guess we'll just sort of have to see.
1: Yeah, they may have to be.
0: So, Josh, I appreciate you for giving me your time uh, as you uh, make your way through the the mean streets of Atlanta. But uh, let the people know what are some of the things you're working on over at the Atlantic that they can tune into later this week.
1: Well, we're going to dig into whether or not um, this, you know, this past happy Atlanta game plan and game planning is for real. You know, what's going what's wrong with the run game. If anything's wrong with the run game, you know, can we expect Desmond Ritter to throw 40 passes every game or, or not? Or do you go back to what we thought was Arthur Smith's bread and butter, the run game. So that'll be our midweek. That'll be our midweek story.
0: Okay. I'm sure I'm, I'll be talking about that as well this week as well. So I look forward to checking that out. Josh, I really appreciate your time and I hope you get home safe.
1: Thank you. Aaron.
0: All right, guys, there's more to come on today's Locked On Falcons. I want to thank Josh Kendall for joining us. We'll talk a little bit more about the possibility that the Falcons will be trading for a D tackle rather than the edge rusher that has been getting a lot of the oxygen uh these last couple of weeks. And I'll break down exactly why I think that is. But before we get there, I do want to plug the locked on NFL kickoff live with Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, and Kyle Krabs every Friday across the entire locked on network at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Those guys are getting you geared up for the weekend action each and every Friday, giving you betting insights, fantasy tips, all that and more as as well as the local experts. All you got to do is if you're subscribed to locked on Falcons or any locked on NFL channel, uh, it will air live again. That's locked on NFL kickoff live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern across any locked on NFL channel. So buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater. New you with killer last minute deals and views from your seat and their best price guarantee. GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you arrive, you get all in prices that show your total upfront. So you're not going to get hit with those hidden fees. And it takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. All you got to do is download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So wrapping up today's episode, before we get there, guys, I do want to let you guys know that tomorrow's episode will be an all 22 review. And if you are a locked on Falcons insider and subscribe to our subtext link in description below, uh, you will get priority for any questions that you may want to ask for that upcoming all 22 review, uh, on anything related to the Falcons film or otherwise, uh, you can do that. So that's a link in description below. It's four 99 a month. Uh, It's a 14-day free trial prior to that, though, so you can try it for two weeks free. You get that one-on-one conversation. You'll get access to the extended all 22 reviews as well, as well as that priority. So a lot of things to look forward to if you join as a Locked On Falcons insider. Again, link in the description below. So yesterday on the rapid reaction, I talked about a one potential trade possibility, and if you missed that, I basically floated the idea that maybe the Falcons would give the Philadelphia Eagles a call and and make a player-for-player swap. Uh, with defensive tackle Cadavious Street for Jalen Hawkins. And, you know, contrary to popular opinion, I think if the Falcons are going to add somebody to their defensive line, it's not going to be an edge rusher. It's going to be someone on the interior. And Street is a player with history with this coaching staff. In fact, I was shocked when the Falcons did not sign him in free agency this offseason. But he's currently kind of buried on Philadelphia's depth chart, given you know how many good players they have at that D-tackle position. He did play a lot yesterday because there's been some injuries to some guys, including Jalen Carter. But he would be a welcome addition here in Atlanta. And I think, you know, as as much as I like Jalen Hawkins, who's a solid role player, I think he's kind of one of the more expendable players on this roster, especially for a Philadelphia Eagles team that at least the Philly folks that I follow have been saying for weeks now that the Eagles desperately need to add some safety depth uh at that position. And we know Howie Roseman loves to make those trades, but Hawkins is a little bit more expendable than other guys that. The Falcons could offer simply because we saw yesterday against Washington, DeMarco Helms get those dime snaps instead of Hawkins has kind of alternated the last couple of weeks between Jalen Hawkins and DeMarco Helms. But you also have Trey Flowers back there. Right. And we talked about this during the summer that the, the main reason I thought the Falcons signed Trey Flowers was to kind of be that dime safety, because that's basically what he did with the Cincinnati Bengals, where he was covering tight ends in that role. And then Jeff Okuda got hurt and the Falcons. needed. Trey Flowers to kind of step in as that starting outside corner for the last, for the first three games. And then since has come back in week four, we haven't seen Trey Flowers take a single snap on defense. Now he's played just on special teams. He made a touchdown saving tackle on that big punt return to uh, Jamison Crowder yesterday. And while I don't like Flowers as an outside corner, and I've been very vocal about that over the last month or two, I am um, i don't have a problem with him covering tight ends. And it's basically because I don't think Trey Flowers is good enough to deal with separation. Right. And we know that wide receivers get a lot of separation tight ends. Not so much. So that weakness is not as glaring when he's uh, covering some of the bigger, slower guys out there, um, you know, at that tight end position. So I think in that role as a dime player. So you, you have these sort of two internal options if the falcons were to shop someone like a jalen hawkins they could trade for or of course they could make a move by giving up you know a late round draft pick but you know while i think edge is going to be a priority position to upgrade for the falcons in the offseason in large part due to bud dupree and and calais campbell being impending free agents um i don't think it's something that the falcons are going to be that focused on between now and then right between now and the offseason at upgrading right Mm -hmm. i think People have this fantasy that the Falcons are going to make this big, bold move at edge. And if they were to do that, then they would have to cut either Lorenzo Carter or Bud Dupree midseason. And that's just nothing that I, there's nothing that indicates that the Falcons are unhappy with what those guys have given them this season. I, I understand why fans may be unhappy with what those guys have given them, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, what you you think is is not that important. It's what they think, right? It's what Arthur Smith and Terry Vontano and those guys think that's ultimately going to be the deciding factor. But to me, what the Falcons have been telling us, if you've been paying any amount of attention the last six weeks, is that they are very unhappy with the D-tackle position, right? They're not unhappy with edge they're unhappy with D tackle because you've seen constant roster churning the last six games they've had four different combinations of defensive tackles that have played as the primary backups to grady jared and david anyamata through six games well, yesterday we got lakale london and albert huggins the week before that we had Elianku and albert huggins we had two weeks of timmy horn and taquan graham we had two weeks of taquan graham and and timmy and i'm um, sorry albert huggins um and and so basically, like the Falcons need somebody to come in here that can give Grady Jared and David Anyamada a break, right? Grady's playing like 73% of the snaps, which is basically the same amount of workload that he's been getting for six years running. Now, we've spent a lot of time this offseason talking about getting Grady some help, and while we've added better players around Grady Jarrett. We have not lightened his load in any sense. And in fact, the last couple of weeks, David Onyemata's snap counts have gone up the last couple of weeks. So what you want from this Falcon team, and particularly at the D tackle position, is that if and when the Falcons, if if or when the Falcons are playing meaningful football games in December and January, you don't want Jarrett and Onyemata to be out of gas right at the pace that they're going on, they're going to be out of gas down the stretch when the Falcons are going to need those guys to be able to step up. And so getting somebody in here that can give those guys a little bit of a breather is something that I think the Falcons will prioritize in the meantime. Now, of course, that's going to probably lead to some of you go, okay, well, they won't go out there and get an edge rusher. Maybe they'll go out there and get a big time D tackle like a Christian Wilkins or Christian Barmore or or Javon Kinlaw or somebody else uh, that are you know potential impending free agents this year or next year or whatever. But Again, I don't think those people that are putting that out there are really paying attention, right? We talked about this with the plausibility of the Daniel Hunter trade back in June and why I did not think that was very plausible because it's all about the money. The Falcons don't want to pay these guys. And when you give up the assets for these premium players, these big-name players, you are compelled to pay those guys. As you saw the last couple of years with midseason trades like Roquan Smith and Bradley Chubb and TJ Hawkins and all guys that got top-of-the-market deals – after teams gave up first and second round picks. Instead, you're more likely to see a low-level trade like we just saw with the Van Jefferson trade where you're giving up a six-round pick and you're not compelled to have to pay that guy. If you're giving up a first or second round pick, you have to pay that guy to, to justify giving up that type of draft asset to, to rent a guy for eight to 10 games or whatever it winds up being. But if you're giving up a six-round pick for Van Jefferson, yeah, you know, there's no big deal. If we don't pay him, then it's no big deal. We didn't lose anything other than maybe a special teams player or a third stringer in all likelihood, uh, in that regard. So I expect a similar sort of, uh, output for the Falcons, you know, that's where a Contavious street type of player comes. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money, right? You know, I think if they were to trade Jalen Hawkins, for street straight up, it would basically be a cap neutral move, but trying to get someone that can give the best bang for their buck without very little buck that the Falcons are willing to pay at this point in time. Uh, Where you know someone that can come in, give you not only value on those rundowns that we're seeing the LaCale Londons and the Albert Huggins and the Timmy Horns, etc., play, but also be able to give you some value on those passing downs so that Grady Jarrett and David Anyamata can get the occasional breather and hopefully won't be on E by years in. So, that is you know, again, this is something that we can continue to explore, but that is something that I do think people need to be a little bit on the lookout uh, potentially over the next two weeks between now and the trade deadline, which is the Tuesday after the week eight game against uh, Tennessee. I think it is uh, who we're playing in week eight. So um, yeah, that's just something I, I, I wanted to put out there, something to keep an eye out. You know, when you're seeing all these, you know, cuts like Randy Gregory and Frank Clark and whatnot, you know, I don't think the Falcons are interested in those guys, right. For a variety of reasons, but if someone was to cut a D tackle, Hmm. Hmm. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. So, you know, not going to blow smoke up your butt right here on on this illustrious podcast about the Falcons going out there and getting some splash edge. But, uh, you know, we don't kink shame here on this podcast, but, uh, if you like having smoke blown up your butt, you know, that's on you, you know, do you live your life? But, uh, I think that's all it really is at this point in time. So keep an eye on this D tackle group where I think it's much likelier that the Falcons may make a move uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But tomorrow we'll be breaking down the all 22 from this most recent action against the Washington commanders, uh, looking at, you know, what's some of the issues with the run game. Some of the issues, of course, we'll talk about Desmond Ritter. We'll talk about some of the defensive um, adjustments or, and whatever else that I keep my eye on. And, of course, make sure you check out the subtext as well if you want to get access to extended all 22 review, as well as get priority on any questions that you guys may ask me. I really appreciate you. Make sure Lockdown Falcons is your first listen. Check out Lockdown NFL for your second listen. It's all part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.